Craft Beer Radio presents Craft Beer and Chocolate at Saver 2009 with Fred Bultman of New Holland Brewing Company. Managing partner of New Holland Brewing Company and past president of the Michigan Brewers Guild, Fred is an avid home cook and expert at pairing beers. He is an ardent advocate for quality food and craft beer's place at the table. Fred presents several beer and chocolate pairings, compares the flavor profiles, and teaches you how to explore the world of beer and chocolate on your own. You can find the rest of the Saver Salon at craftbeerradio.com slash saver. Craft Beer Radio is a free podcast available from our website or on iTunes. Hi, everybody. Thanks for coming. Uh, looks like we're going to need to get beer around here pretty quick uh, because there's some empty glasses uh, here. I'm Paul Gatz. I'm director of the Brewers Association. I'd like to thank you all for coming. Our next talk here is uh, craft beer and chocolate. And uh, leading this talk is Fred Biltman from New Holland Brewing Company. Fred is the... Uh, uh, he's a partner in the company as well. He's the director of sales and marketing. And uh, Fred has been highly involved in the uh, Michigan Brewers Guild. Uh, so he's not just you know, in it alone. He's trying to help a lot of the other brewers in Michigan and around the country. Uh, formerly vice president and, uh, of sales and marketing at Kalamazoo Brewing Company. And with Fred today is Gail Ambrosius of Gail Ambrosius Chocolatier out of Madison, Wisconsin. So please join me in welcoming Fred and Gail. Thank you, Paul. Uh, we're both really pleased to be here, be part of this um, kind of intimate setting and, and exploration of beer and food, which is a really fun part of both of our lives, and it's really uh, great to be able to share it. Um, and I often talk at the brewery about um, part of our mission is to contribute to the uh, quality of life. And it may sound a little heady, but the reality is n- not only are we going to have fun here and taste a lot of great things, but we're also really learning how to live the good life. And, and we try to teach that and provide it. And, and I think uh, coming, speaking for both Gail and I, um, you know, putting good things out there that we can eat and drink is, is certainly a lifestyle um, shift. Uh, I want to talk real quick again about um, why we're doing beer and chocolate, why it's important, why I think it's a fit, and I'd say that overall my goal here today is to uh, remove the question mark from beer and chocolate and, uh, and turn it into an exclamation point of beer and chocolate, um, because that's really how I feel about it. I think it's, uh, we're going to talk about the available bridges, both with the chocolate itself as well as a lot of the additions you can bring in, uh, like Gail does so expertly with her truffles. Uh, there's a lot of just natural bridges in all the, all the flavors available in beer. And uh, so it's really a slam dunk. It's a great, it's a great uh, marriage. It's a great bridge. And we're going we're gonna to explore some rather decadent choices here. And then hopefully you'll walk away with also some ideas about how to do that on your own at home. With that, I'm going to introduce Gail, a friend and colleague and a, and a wonderful chocolatier. And um, she's going to talk a little bit about from the chocolate point of view, uh, an introduction, and then we'll, we'll start tasting. All right, thanks. I'm really happy to be here, and I hope you all enjoy our presentation tonight. Um, I am a small chocolatier in Madison, Wisconsin, and much like a small craft brewery, I'm a small artisan chocolatier, and that means I make everything by hand. It's made in very small batches, one at a time. These chocolates were all hand-dipped. You know, I don't have a lot of big machinery because I think people are much more interesting to talk to during the day. I also specialize in dark chocolate, and part of that is I think the dark chocolate has a lot more flavor than milk chocolate. You know, if you get a higher percentage of chocolate, like a 70, that's kind of my average, you're getting more of the pure chocolate, and you're really getting a lot of interesting flavors. The other thing I do is I specialize in single-origin chocolate, so I'm using chocolates from specific countries to really showcase the different flavors from different countries. And as we go through it, I can talk about, you know, which country my chocolate is coming from. But I typically get my chocolate from Central and South America because that's where chocolate originated. It's really, I think, very flavorful, and it's got a much shorter carbon footprint. So let's taste chocolate. All right. I'm going to give a couple instructions here. You've got this fancy plate that will hold your saver glass if you need it to. Um, And if you put the glass holder at, like, third base, if you can... Everybody know baseball in the room? So if you put that, we'll go in order. We're going to start um, just to the right of that and work around clockwise. 
Okay, so um, you want to start out by introducing the first truffle? Sure. The first truffle is a fig truffle. It's made with organic fig puree and crushed bits of figs. And it's blended with a 70% Venezuelan organic chocolate. And I hope you enjoy it. It's really great. Um, Looking at fig, I was really excited when Gail and I first started talking about this, which is a new truffle for her. And um, it's a really fun bridge with Sundog, which is our amber ale. Amber ale is really kind of the classic workhorse style of the craft brewer. I think in the mid to late 90s, it was really the benchmark beer for a lot of brewers. Um, And it features caramel malts. And ours uh, is, I think, a very well-balanced amber. And it also has uh, some nuttiness in the finish. And I think that um, the caramel character really uh, bridges nicely to the sweetness of the figs, and the nuttiness helps kind of finish that off, and it it just livens it up. So let's try it. One thing I like about this pairing is that mm. I think one of your natural instincts right away with chocolate is to look for beers that are just like the chocolate. To, you immediately go into roasty stouts and dark beers. The reality is there's other... If you look at what chocolate has interacted with over time, it's often using other things like caramel and nuts and pastries. And there's all these other flavor bridges that are in the dessert world, or the savory world for that matter. Um, and so this is one of those examples where we're not really going for a beer that has the tones of chocolate, but we're going for some very natural contrasts in caramel and nuts. Mm-hmm. And so all of a sudden, a, a rather, you know, everyday drinking type of beer becomes pretty elegant when it's, when it's put in this setting. Yeah. I think the fig notes really play well off the beer. And if you alternate, you know, you take a little drink of beer, a little bite of the chocolate, they both just keep working off of each other you know and you just get more flavor from the chocolate after you taste the beer and vice versa and for me whenever I do this I like to kind of close my eyes and exhale through your nose and the bubbles and the effervescence of the beer can help bring out more flavors of the chocolate that are on your tongue Mm. everybody like it anybody not like it what do you think? It's quiet when you start eating <laughs> chocolate. Won't stay quiet for long, I don't. Yeah, I think that we want this to be as much of a discussion as possible. So if you want the microphone, just raise your hand, uh, ask questions, make comments. Uh, Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Um, well, while we get the next beer going around, maybe, Gail, you can talk a little bit about the truffle and how is it composed, what's it made of, how are these flavors right. getting brought in? Okay. Well, let me... Um, I want to rearrange a little bit here. We got some people facing the wall, and that's, oh, that's kind of so odd. So what I was thinking was, uh, why don't we uh, just stop for a minute, and why don't we turn these on a point? Um, separate them and turn them on a point, and that way uh, we can make this work a little better. And we should probably do that over here as well. So if you all want to stand up for a second. And yeah. <laughs> we thought we'd flash before. This. Okay. Every time the door opens, we lose you. Oh, really? Okay. Thanks. <laughs> All right. I'm just trying to shake things up a little yeah, bit. Yeah, why not? Yeah. <laughs> All right. Is that going to work a little bit better, or did I just mess things up even worse? Okay. So, if you guys want to start pouring the next beer. And I'll just talk about what a truffle is or how it's made. I'm a French-trained chocolatier. I started my business five years ago when I lost my job working for the state of Wisconsin as a cartographer. So it was a radical career shift, but I had always loved working with chocolate. So I went to France and I studied with Valrona chocolatiers and Michel Cuisel. And 
those chocolatiers, you know, they have a different style. It's a French style. They tend to like darker chocolates as well, so it was kind of a natural fit for me. But the center of the chocolate is called the ganache, and the ganache is made with cream or some liquid. I do some with fruit purees instead of the cream, but you warm up whatever the liquid is, and you blend it with the chocolate that's either melted or in chunks, and the warm liquid will melt the chocolate. And you make a really beautiful emulsion. Think like mayonnaise. You're making mayonnaise. So it comes out beautiful and silky. And then you let it set up for a day so the chocolate crystallizes and, you know, will harden enough so you can roll it in your hands and then dip it in tempered chocolate. And the outer shell of the chocolate, when you dip it, is called the couverture. So the centers of my chocolates come from one certain country, but the couverture is generally the same for all of my chocolates, and that's a Colombian chocolate, and it's a 70%. Great. Okay, so, what's next? Um, what gave you the idea to bring shiitake mushrooms? Pardon? You're still getting your beer? Yeah. Oh. Night Tripper? You should be getting Dragon's Milk. Dragon's Milk is the next one. <laughs> Okay. Everybody get dragon's out. milk? Dragon milk? Okay. So I'll just talk about the next chocolate while they're think, thinking about the beers or figuring out the right beers. Yeah. <laughs> We're starting. The next chocolate is a shiitake mushroom, and you might think that's really strange, but I, I got this new chocolate from Peru. It was an organic chocolate from Peru, and when I make chocolates, I start with the chocolate because, to me, that's the most important ingredient. So I really look for really high-quality base chocolates, and then I think about how does that chocolate taste, what are its characteristics, and do I want to contrast that flavor or complement it? So when I tasted the Peruvian chocolate on its own, it had this very mushroomy quality to it, almost like walking through a wet woods, you know, think mossy forest floor. And a mushroom just kept coming to my head, and I thought, I'm going to try mushroom because I love shiitakes and I think it really works. You know, it's kind of, you get that umami quality. So you, umami is kind of a new sensation on your tongue. It's kind of in the middle. It hits the middle of your tongue. So Fred. Well, if we go back to the uh, question mark exclamation point uh, part of this whole thing, I, I, I really enjoyed um, kind of looking in hindsight to hearing about uh, this new truffle. Gail and I have worked together a couple of times and so we had kind of a, greatest hits uh, set of pairings that we could do. And right. then uh, in talking about this one, Gail said, oh, you really got to try this new shiitake mushroom. And what I like about it looking back is that there wasn't any question of like, really? Or <laughs> no? Or what am I going to do with that? Yeah. I instead said, well, we've got dragon's milk figured out. Then we'll just yeah. work backwards from there. Right. And so it was really kind of exciting to see that uh, savory flavor with chocolate wasn't very surprising and I don't think it's surprising to our palate and also it's a very natural pair Dragon's Milk is a really special beer to us at the brewery um, it's a barrel aged stout it's really a nice strong dark roasty beer about 9.5% that we then age in bourbon barrels for 90 days we're currently aging half the batch in first use barrels so straight from the distillery and then the other half of the batch is aged in second use barrels so it already had Dragon's Milk in it once and it'll provide a little more muted bourbon character we blend those together, which both gives us a little bit of control at bottling. So depending on what happened in those 90 days, we can make some adjustments and, and kind of keep the flavor where we want it, or the intensity, let's say, uh, even more so. And what I love about it is that it has all this complexity, and it can appear sweet at times. It can bring coffee and chocolate forward. It can bring roast forward. Vanilla is there. Um, sometimes there's like a balsamic character. I think it's great with earthy flavors like mushrooms and beef. It's elegant with, you know, straight-up desserts and sweetness. It can be elegant with a salad. It's just really a utility infielder. And um, enough talking, I think we should really taste this and just yeah. look for some of those flavors and think about different things and, and see how they interact. Um, and I just I find this to be a really enjoyable pairing. Mm. 
Mm. I love this one. What do you think? Yeah. Uh, we were at Heaven Hill, and now we're at Woodford Reserve. What do you think of this chocolate with mushrooms? Is it too weird? Do you love it? You like it? <laughs> no, I think it's really neat, and it also, uh, I think, makes the beer seem a little more mushroomy than the first taste before I tasted the chocolate. Absolutely. Yeah, they really bring out the best of each other, I think. And I think that's, that's something to think about with pairing in general, is that the idea is to create this new experience, and it can be, you know, they can complement each other or contrast or, or create a new flavor altogether or be cleansing. Um, but and then when you get into beers that have these layers of flavor, that's when they can appear different with each food that they're with. And you pick the right hook, something like shiitake. I, um, going back to this conversation we were having, you know, I knew immediately that it was going to pull that earthiness and mushroom character out of the beer, uh, which to me is very pleasant and, and kind of envelopes the savory character of this, mm-hmm. of, of this chocolate. Yeah. I think it's great. Um, you can order from me online. I ship FedEx all across the country. But right now my distribution is mainly in Madison and Chicago area. But I'm starting to try to reach out a little more. <laughs> and our beers are available locally. They're in D.C. and Virginia. They're in stores throughout the area. We, you, you can check our website or drop us a line and we can, we can direct you right to a retailer. It's not on there. It's galeambrosius.com. And we do have, I do have some cards on the table, so when you leave, you could grab a card, and it's got all the information. Yeah, and uh, Fred also has some uh, uh, handouts as well to grab on the way out, too. Yep, you'll leave with some uh, descriptions of our beers, um, both year-round, seasonal, and specialty. And then I also have an article uh, from a local food magazine um, about beer and chocolate. So a lot of things we'll cover. You'll have some of those points um, in the written form. Any other comments or questions about that pairing or that chocolate or beer? Great. I guess we're ready for the next one. Mm. So the next chocolate that we're coming up on is the lemongrass and ginger. It would be kind of be at 3 o'clock if you have your glass holder opening at 9 o'clock. It has little bits of lemon on the top and safflower threads from a safflower. And this chocolate is made with a 61% Venezuelan dark chocolate. Coconut milk, lemongrass, and organic ginger pulp. So this one doesn't have any cream in it. The coconut milk is the liquid. And this, again, is a really interesting example of, you know, and I, I'm, I'm going to talk about pairing in general and maybe some ideas that when we do things like this, where we're doing, you know, five or six different pairings, it's very much like a beer dinner where you're doing courses and different pairings. Um, that seems luxurious, and it may seem complicated, and it may seem very specific. Like, okay, every one of these things has a different pair. Boy, I better get good at this before I try it. And the reality is, is that it's much more simpler than that. And that these are great times to explore and find bridges. But you could take what we're doing with any one of these individual pairs and tie it to a plate. So if you're having dinner in one course, and you have three things on the plate, they're likely there for a reason, that they all go together for one reason or another. And so you can bridge to one of those signature flavors on the plate, and that's your connection into the others, if that makes sense. And so it's really kind of what we do here with the chocolate, which is why I enjoy truffles so much, is because you're not just locked into the traditional chocolate flavors. And when Gail brings in things like lemongrass and ginger, it immediately opens up new doors to other beers that aren't directly linked to the, the chocolate tones. And so when you can bring in a, uh, a golden beer that has some, some pale malts and a different type of sweetness and some fruit character to it, um, 
it's it's partly because there's this other component in the truffle. So I think we um, can go ahead and try it, and then I'll I'll tell you a little bit about the beer as we as we eat it. great with that beer. <laughs> it's really good. So a couple of years ago, I kind of tripped over realizing that I liked this ginger relationship with this particular beer, with triple in general. And I think there's something about the, the combination of sweetness in a triple, and in this triple, we're using Michigan beet sugar, and it's kind of a, it tends towards a sweet side with some fruity esters. And there's just a little bit of dryness. There's enough bitterness that it's kind of dry in the finish. And, and I like that relationship, and I feel like it kind of helps lift the ginger off your palate without fighting it. So that it kind of, I don't want to get too esoteric, but it kind of embraces it, but also cleanses it off your palate. And when I talk about um, pairing, I mentioned it earlier, there's the four C's of pairing to me. You do one or all of them, but you want to either complement, contrast, cleanse, or create an altogether new flavor when they're together. And cleansing is one that is often involved, especially when you, you're talking about you know, big flavors that can linger. And we like that ginger burn, but there's a point where you want the next bite to be fresh again. And if you still have ginger on your palate, it, you're going to miss some of those early flavors. Mm-hmm. So that's what I like about this pairing. It's just, it, it um, cleanses without fighting. Mm-hmm. And I think the beer really brightens up the chocolate. You know, the beer just makes that chocolate pop. Those, those lemongrass flavors really come out. Mm-hmm. Mm. We have a new entrant who's looked like he's doing some juggling over there. Anybody else pick up any other flavors or thoughts? So, well, I mean, I think of those ingredients, lemongrass. I think of these ingredients, lemongrass and ginger, as, you know, Thai or Asian. Right. And I'm just trying to imagine this with a really good Thai dinner, and it's, I think it would be great with it. I, I, yeah. I do think it would, too, yeah. especially with the ginger present. You know, as it gets spicier and away from ginger, you might want to head to a beer with some more hoppiness or grassiness. Um, but in terms of ginger, I think this is a delicious pairing with a lot of different foods. Mm-hmm. And I think, again, if I go back to let's talk about pairing in general and let's talk about how you would do this on your own, if you look at other desserts, if it's a chocolate brownie, you're pairing to chocolate. Um, If it's chocolate-covered strawberries, well, now you have fruit in addition. So what does that go with? And you can just kind of open up your mind and say, well, let's see, you know. And for me, this particular beer I love with berries um, and fruit. And so, you know, once that's tied into a dish, uh, you, you have that door in. And it's a similar thing that we did with the lemongrass and ginger, but I would encourage you guys to think about that, that you have your choices there on, on a plate. You know, which side do you want to go to? And, and that's going to tie you back to the other one. Do you yeah. have the swan, I'm sorry, the coriander triple? We do not, no. no. Okay. Aren't those the seeds of cilantro? Yeah, it would. Yeah. Um, we don't happen to have them in there, but uh, that would be an interesting way to go. And that's interesting that you brought it up because I think with this pairing, I was also considering I do a coriander anise chocolate, and it worked really well with this as well. You know, it just, the lemongrass eked it out by a small margin. <laughs> but the coriander flavors really pair well with this beer, too. And there are a lot of white beers that have coriander, and I think that's a great pickup to say, okay. You know, here this already has a relationship with, you know, um, these other herbs and, yeah, and, yeah. and go from there. But that's the way to think is that even if it weren't a direct bridge, you know, if coriander goes with this style, there's already a relationship there, a compatibility that you know about. So you know it's not going to be 
amiss. Whether it does everything you want it to do is is for the for the for the moment of tasting it. Whether it's going to be close is you can kind of do ahead of time. I never really tried to triple with Kaiser, but until it's done. All right. <laughs> and it, you know, again, like I'm saying, this is that's the point where you can think of an idea and go, "Great, I'm going to try it." Whether it does everything you want it to. That'll be left up to that moment, but at least you've got an idea going in that it's that it's worth a shot and has a likelihood of being exceptional. All right, I think we're ready to move on. Fred, who are some of the people on your brewing staff, and uh, how big is your brewery? Uh, our brewery is uh, right around ten thousand barrels, and. Um, uh, we've got a four-person uh, managing partner team, which includes our brewmaster, John Haggerty, co-founder and present, president, Brett Vanderkamp, uh, our pub GM, Dave White, and myself. And uh, we've been around since 97, so we're celebrating our 12th year. We're in uh, 12 states, which includes this area, mostly upper Midwest and, and southeast. And uh, We're really having fun, and, and uh, you'll, you'll get all of our beers on the way out, but we, we really enjoy... Our process of uh, our philosophy of balance, and that we have a lot of everyday beer. Well, we kind of consider all of our beers everyday beers, but we have a lot of beers that are both session beers, and we have some big beers. And in each one of them, we're looking for balance. And then in our overall lineup, we're we're seeking balance. And I hope that that shows through today. And Gail, uh, what about your company? Do you have any help? I do have help. It started with just me. Five years ago in a very tiny walk-up incubator, 600 square feet. And now I have between 10 and 17 employees, depending on the peak seasons. And I've moved into a bigger facility that's 2,400 square feet, and I'm ready to move up again. (laughs) Yeah. Thanks. So do you want to talk about this truffle first? Okay, the next one is not a truffle, actually. It is a caramel with sea salt. And the caramel with sea salt, you know, there's a lot of people doing caramel with sea salt. It's kind of a popular flavor. Um, I make mine in very small batches. It's literally an 8 by 8 pan, so one batch at a time. And it's just very simple. You know, it's a really nice caramel recipe. Um, I don't use any preservatives in my products, so you'll never see corn syrup or... You know, any nothing crazy. Um, so this is a handmade caramel, and then it's dipped in the Colombian couverture, and then it has a little sprinkling of gray sea salt or fleur de sel on the top. And the fleur de sel, I think, really kind of makes that chocolatey, caramely flavor kind of pop. It's really a popular chocolate. Everybody loves it. I ship it to a lot of senators here, actually. <laughs> I won't name names, though. <laughs> um, and, and this is a really fun pairing, and I think, again, a natural one that, sh- that hopefully will be instructional in terms of how, how available some of these hooks are, in that uh, salt and caramel, uh, one, are natural friends. You know, you think about caramelized flavors, you can leave the world of caramel a little bit if you talk about caramelization and everything that's brown. You know, these caramelized sugars, whether it be a creme brulee dessert or a pretzel or or, you know, roasted chicken or brown meats. All that stuff is caramelizing sugars, and it has immediate bridges to beers that are, that are featuring that uh, flavor. And so the salt really kicks it off, and I think it's fun. And, and we've got Pilgrim's Dole, our wheat wine here, that is a showcase for caramelization. We're using a little more than 50% wheat. It's like a barley wine where it's going to feature its malt. It's going to be a big, rich body, low hop, big beer at, at 9 or 10%. Or I'm sorry, 11%, I believe. And um, um, again, it's a sh- we extend the boil, so that we're trying to accentuate that caramelization that we're getting from the grains. And um, I think it's just a beautiful bridge. Um, it's very much a complimentary pairing. And the salt is just such a lively, like it does with so many foods, it just brings out the flavors in both yeah. um, and kind of excites the whole palate. Yeah, yeah. You want it to linger. <laughs> but I think the Pilgrim's Dole really helps pull out those caramel flavors and it just keeps it going. You know, it really has a nice long finish. Yeah. I think when you look at this too, um, you can start to realize that big beers aren't so scary. That a lot of it has to do with 
how much you're drinking of them and what they're paired with. This is an 11% beer, and usually when you talk about that, it's like, oh, you know, people are backing away slowly, except for my friends. <laughs> but when you, when you have it in an experience like this, and you shorten your serving size a little bit, and you have it with this bridge, it, it acts like a ballet dancer. I mean, it's just light on its feet. It just, it's very enjoyable and pleasant. Yeah. And it just it's not, doesn't taste like a big beer anymore. No. And so that's when you start to realize that, hey, beer isn't any bigger than wine. Uh, it's, it's smaller than wine in terms of alcohol. And so as a drink, it's just really not that scary. It really is in about presentation and, and placement and, and the times and places that you choose to drink it. And, you know, without going on too much of a tangent, that's what I like about this pairing is it just seems so natural. It just seems like, well, of course, I'll have another. Yeah, yeah. You know? <laughs> I guess that's when you start to get introduced to big beers in a different way. <laughs> but it, it was a very natural pairing. It, it's funny. Fred sent me these beers, you know, for me to taste so I could try to pair the chocolates in my shop, and I sent him chocolate to taste with the beer. And I was sick the day I was supposed to pair them, so I had to get up really early and come in at 8 o'clock in the morning and start drinking beer. (laughs) I don't think I told you that. That's a regular day at the brewery. Not for me. Not for me. I eat chocolate at 8 a.m., but, you know, drinking the beer and the chocolate. So it was really a great start to the day, so my general manager walked in at 9 and I have a whole table of beer and chocolate, and I'm smiling. And she said, well, didn't you have a great start of your day? And I thought, yeah. But when I did this tasting, it was just like... you went out to lunch for my Yeah, then I went out, yeah, yeah, big lunch. I actually did, no. (laughs) But with this one, you know, one bite of the caramel, and, you know, there was no question. It was without hesitation, you know, this is the beer, this is the chocolate. Right. So it was And I think you could go backwards, too, you know thinking about the flavors that we've talked about, you could pair this with Sundog, which is really featuring the same flavor range. Now, it's kind of a big taste. I think the the Pilgrim's Dole is more exciting, but it's going to work with the Sundog just as well. It's just going to be a little lighter and a little softer, but those same flavors are there. Mm -hmm. It's going to work just as well. Um, Well, yeah, when I say just as well, I mean, I do prefer the Pilgrim's Dole because I think it contributes more. Um, but just to give you an idea that, you know, we're, again, talking about our beers today, but I hope that you walk away with bridges that you realize, okay, if I'm looking for uh, an amberish beer that features caramelized flavors, I know to look for it in these styles. It can be amber ales, it could be barley wines, it could be wheat wines, it could be Doppelbox, for that matter. Um, and, you know, all those things start to, when you think about it in flavor profiles, uh, get simplified. Mm-hmm. Yum. I'm still eating my caramel. <laughs> mm. I do. Anybody else have any questions about that one or comments or flavors they noticed? Yes. What the beer does for the chocolate. In this in this instance, I'd say what what does the chocolate do for the beer? You know. Because on its own, you know, it's it's a little boozy, it's a little warming. I think of it like an after-dinner drink almost, you know, like having a cognac at the end of a meal. But with this chocolate, it just cancels out that booziness and it, it lightens up the drink so much. It, it changes what the beer does in the glass. And I think that's, it's miraculous, you know. That's that's something special. You know, I worked in wine a long time and I never got to those stages of the game. But with beer, it's just so easy. Thank you. Yeah. And that's one of the reasons I would choose... Pilgrim's Dole over Sundog is that it is going to lighten up that beer. So if Sundog is starting at a medium body, it's going to lighten up and, and probably s- start to disappear a little bit. Where I know that Pilgrim's Dole, if, if I find a food that makes Pilgrim's Dole disappear, that's going to be impressive. We're going to, <laughs> going to get to work in the brew house on something. But um, mm-hmm. that, that's part of that choice. So it's, uh, thank you for making that comment. To me, the beer is like a flashbulb and taking a photograph, it adds that life to flash. Mm-hmm. You find the beer adds life to it like a flashbulb, kind of brightens it up. Cool. Yeah, yeah. It's a neat and comment. I like that about this. Yeah. yeah, but with the beer, it's it just pops, yeah. yeah. And I find the salt to be an interesting relationship there, too. And... and um, for some reason, I found myself comparing it to, you know, a hot pretzel at one of these, uh, a different chocolate class, and I think it made sense to people. It was like, there is this relationship there with 
you know, it's not sweet presentation, but it's really a similar structure, and and that makes sense to us in terms of livening up our palate and then comparing it with the drink. Um, I think I think that the salt is really cool component mm-hmm. and I think that the yeah. that when you drink beer with it I think the beer actually livens up that salt I think it it opens it up some mm-hmm. because it's not just salt in your palate now it's salt in your on your palate that already has this this beer yeah coating. yeah well and when you cook with fleur de sel or sea salt it's something that should be added right at the very end of your cooking because if you put it in while it's cooking it's going to kind of come apart and dissipate but if you put it in right at the very end you'll still get those nice big crystals those big grains and you'll taste it and it just accents everything you can put it on so you know and there's so many great fleur de cells out there <coughs> different sea salts you know it's it's a lot of fun to experiment i do another chocolate um it's a chocolate bar it's called three hot nuts and i um I roast pistachios, pine nuts, You'll and You'll do all right pepitas. at the brewery. Yeah. <laughs> you want to come out and brew for a while. <laughs> but I roast them, yeah, with chipotle and cayenne pepper. And then I put a sprinkling of chili verde sea salt on the very end. And again, that chocolate, you know, it's just this really thin, beautiful wafer. And you get the nuts and the salt. And you don't know which you're tasting first. You know, it's salty, it's nutty, it's chocolatey. And... It's it's swoonable. Swoonable. (laughs) That's good stuff. All right. Uh, We can start pouring the next beer. And uh, this one has two different pairings with it. We figured we'd plan a grand finale. So if we need to refresh refresh your glass, just raise your hand. Um, And we're going to start with one and and then move on to the next. Yeah, so with this pairing, um, it's interesting because the two chocolates we're tasting with it, we have um, the powdery one, the one dusted in cocoa powder is cinnamon cayenne, and the other one is a raspberry chocolate made with raspberry puree, and it's topped with crushed cocoa nibs, and cocoa nibs are just the crushed roasted cocoa beans. So the beans have just been crushed and roasted. So it's it's the essence of the bean that, you know, would become chocolate. So it has a little bitterness to it, and it really plays off well with the sweetness of the raspberries. But they're two very different chocolates. You know, the cinnamon cayenne is darker. It's a 70% Colombian chocolate, and it's got some heat at the end. And the raspberry is sweeter. It's a combination of dark chocolate and milk chocolate to kind of balance the acidity of the raspberries. But with this beer, I think it's really fun to pair the both of them. So don't eat them both at once. Save some so you can kind of go back and forth with the chocolates. The beer kind of brings out the sweetness of the raspberries for me, but yet it it really works with the heat of the cayenne. So it's just really to demonstrate, you know, the the two poles that you can go to when you're pairing. You know, you can do the contrast or the compare. And um, with this beer choice, this is Night Tripper, our imperial stout. So we release this once a year. It's um, a single batch specialty, and it's a it's a pretty big stout. Um, Really features roasty, dark flavors. Um, there's there's a bit of creaminess to it, but it's a it's a big, bold stout. There's no question. And um, when I think of it, you know, I kind of I think of this beer um, as a good contrast to dark chocolate for one. In general, it's just kind of the no brainer. If you've got a big chunk of dark chocolate or a rich brownie or cake or fudge, this is just like that immediate. They are kin. Mm-hmm. Um, and then when I think, well, what, <clears throat> what would you put raspberries in in a dessert? And I like to think of like raspberries on top of that dark, you know, thick chocolate that's that's crisp and bold and roasty. And, yeah, and, and yeah. that contrast of the fruit and the chocolate is really what I like <clears throat> before I even think about a drink. And so I kind of think that uh, Night Tripper plays that role of that dark, bold chocolate next to the fruit mm-hmm. um, and that's kind of why I go to it with the raspberries there's just good contrast there and the raspberry you're not going to run over raspberries um, on your palate I don't think um, I don't think so and so they're lively enough to stand up to a bold beer and the beer's um, dark enough to be that contrast to the the brightness of the fruit uh, we need some more night tripper over there he's, he's 
flight now, but I don't know how long it's going to last. <laughs> and, and I think, Gail, you've done a nice job with this truffle already in that you've done that job of saying, I'm going to bring in more dark, roasty tones of the chocolate. Right, I think right. it's part of the cocoa nibs. And, yeah, the cocoa and nibs, your choice yeah. is like saying, all right, here's the contrast to raspberries. Mm-hmm. And in this case, I think the beer is just endorsing that. Yeah, um, yeah. Saying, yes, more, darker, <laughs> you know. Yeah, when I eat the raspberry and then take a little drink of the beer, I get so much more raspberry coming off of my tongue. The beer just pulls the raspberries off your tongue. And it just really, you know, showcases the raspberries. Right, right. Yeah, I think that's accurate. The chocolate is going to bring the creaminess and the chocolate tones of the beer forward and set the coffee more towards the background. I'm noticing almost a psychoactive effect of uh, these beers and these chocolates, where this is beyond just... We only put that in your beer. Sorry, Paul. <laughs> this, is, <laughs> this is beyond, you know, flavors and, you know, uh, com- combinations and contrasts. This is, this is a, uh, a feeling of euphoria almost, mm-hmm, and uh, mm-hmm. this is uh, quite interesting. Yeah. Right. Well, that's a great comment because chocolate does stimulate that part in your brain that's also affected by certain chemicals. Um, THC, if anybody knows what that is. <laughs> I don't really, but... Um, <laughs> No, it affects that same part In of DC, your brain. In D.C., I'm not answering that question. Yeah, right. right. I'm just eating chocolate, that's all. But it really does affect that pleasure center in your brain. So, you know, that's why they say chocolate is kind of the love drug or, you know, it can be an aphrodisiac. You know, it really does do something to your head that puts you in a happier state and, you know, it's kind of a feel-good food. And you did say it was a Thanks special Thanks for backing event. me on that. Yeah. <laughs> so what do you think of it with the um, other chocolate, with the cinnamon cayenne? Does it work both ways, do you think? Yeah. Can you talk a little bit about um, either the tradition or your decision to bring heat into chocolate? Because I think that's like another gear we've hit. We've kind of done savory. Yeah. We've done fruit. We have the general sweetness. And now heat. Heat. Uh, and, and kind of where did that start or, or what are your choices like with that? Well, for me, again, you know, I use these chocolates from Central and South America because that's where, that's the birthplace of chocolate. You know, it'll be debated for years probably, you know, whether it was either Mexico or the upper Amazon where it originally originated. But the people that started using chocolate thousands of years ago, they would just crush the beans and blend it with hot water and make a drink out of it. And it was generally used in ceremonies. It was quite an honor to be offered chocolate. You know, if you were honored offered chocolate, it was a great honor, and you knew that you were, you know, a really welcome guest and very valued. Um, I think the Olmecs actually had a saying. You know, when they gave someone a gift of hot chocolate, it was they were they would say, "This is a part of me that I'm offering you. You know, I'm giving the best of me to you, and I see that in you." So I think that's pretty special. But they would flavor this beverage with chilies and cinnamon and a little vanilla because. You know, their hot chocolate was nothing like our hot chocolate today. You know, it was really grainy. It was kind of mealy. They would sometimes add maize to it to thicken it. So, you know, that it's kind of a nod to that, you know, to the history of chocolate, to the roots of chocolate. And I just think it's kind of a natural, you know, that heat. It just kind of warms up your tongue at the very end. You don't get it right away, but you get that cinnamon to start with, and then you just get this warmth kind of flooding your mouth, you know, and just kind of warming the whole body. It's it's very... I'm sold. It's good stuff, yeah. <laughs> have you actually considered working with beer itself as a part of your chocolates? Uh, yeah, I have, and I should... I think Fred and I will be collaborating in the future. <laughs> you know, like a beer a stout kind of chocolate. You know, I think that would be kind of a natural. And I think it could work really well. I There's think a, you, we think about the same flavors. We have, 
I don't want Gail to get upset with me like I've been <laughs> cheating on her, but I have somebody else has made uh, beer chocolates for us in the past, um, and you, kind of the same idea applies. You, you bring in some of these flavors that are natural bridges to chocolate. So Pilgrim's Dole, it has a lot of caramel, is great. Dragon's Milk is great because it has that vanilla component and roast component. Night Tripper would be a natural. Um, you know, you want to have enough. You want to make your choices, I think. And I, I can't speak to the technical aspects of integrating it in, in Gail's process. But from a flavor point of view, you'd want it to not only match, but you'd want it to contribute something. Because if it's, if it's comparable and compatible, but it doesn't change the chocolate, then, you know, from a production point of view, you're kind of adding cost and labor and not, not getting a result. So just like cooking with beer in other settings, you kind of say, all right, what, what am I pulling out of this beer? Why am I using it? And I think those are the flavors that we talked about. Bridge, naturally, and they'd also be excellent within mm-hmm. it. Mm-hmm. So there's a, a big fermentation step in chocolate making, too. It's obvious what fermentation adds to beer, but what does it add to the chocolate making Oh, that's process? a great question. Well, when the pods are harvested, um, chocolate grows on a tree. It's called Theobroma cacao. It grows 20 degrees north or south of the equator, so hot, tropical, humid weather, lots of rain. The the pods are kind of football-shaped, and they grow from the trunk of the tree to the branches. You know, it's a very odd-looking tree, kind of like an apple tree in height. It's pruned similarly. But the pod is cut open, and the beans, there are rows of beans inside of the pod, and there are between 25 and 40 beans in each pod. And the beans are covered in a white, slimy pulp. It looks really pretty disgusting when you cut the pot open. But the first thing you want to do is pop a bean in your mouth because that pulp, it's very sugary and it's just delicious. You know, it has flavors in the range of peaches, watermelon, honeydew, nectarines. It's, it's amazing. But that pulp, what you do then is you put the beans, you pile them up in a wooden box And the heat of the beans all piled on top of each other starts that sugary pulp fermenting around the beans. And it's a really important step. It's critical, actually, because the fermentation starts changing, you know, the flavors of the beans inside. You know, it's creating lactic and acidic acids, and it creates and develops the flavor inside of the bean. Um, You know, when it's first cut off the tree, it's, it's pretty horrible. You know, and the monkeys would suck on the pulp and spit out the seeds, and that's kind of how the trees were propagated in the past. So you ferment between three to seven days, and then they're dried in the sun. And after they're dried, then they're, you know, the processing starts, the roasting, the grinding, and the actual making of chocolate. But the fermentation really develops the flavors. They're not using the monkeys to propagate anymore? Not anymore, no. <laughs> no, so now, now we're grafting trees, you know. I've, I've actually been lucky enough to travel to Central America and South America and, you know, work on the farms and see the whole process. And I'm working with a group of women in Costa Rica to help them make chocolate so they can, you know, kind of generate some income on their own. So I'll be going back in July to bring more equipment down and help them with marketing plans and try to get their chocolate into some of the hotels down there so the tourists can bring back, you know, real chocolate. If you need any help with that. Yeah, I'll let you know. Okay, let's talk later. <laughs> My Spanish is getting better. <laughs> but Okay, beer, beer, that'll be good. I think I just got fired. <laughs> So we didn't talk a lot about that pairing um, with the Night Tripper and the Cayenne. And I want to talk briefly about that, and then we'll kind of wrap up with some questions, I think. Um, What I like about it is it kind of shifts the beer a little bit, and I get a lot more of that roastiness and bitterness as the active part of the pair, that it's it's contrasting that heat and... um, I just think it was, I do think it was very interesting, and I wonder what you guys thought about moving from raspberry to cayenne. I think the beer changed a lot. It tasted like a different beer to me. Um, and that the, the roastiness and the acidic character, yeah, it pulled the coffee back, exactly. And it made sense, and it kind of helped contrast. It wasn't, there are some other beers, like I've done, um, we have a beer we don't really call a style, but existential is this, is this really hoppy barley wine. And it's, it's very grapefruity and very 
big and bold, both with malt and with hops. And that's a fun pair with heat. And, and, and it is a fun pair with chocolate as well because its body is very caramelized. And it is a much more active cleansing pair, meaning it would whisk the cayenne off a little quicker. And what I liked about this pairing is that the roastiness helped temper it, but it didn't really whisk it off my palate. So I still yeah. have this kind of cayenne glow going on, yeah. but it's I don't a- feel like I'm burning. Yeah, I was going to say the same thing. My mouth is still glowing. I had a bite and some beer, and it's just its just this nice yeah. warmth. And it's funny that you brought up, and we actually were talking about it this afternoon, the uh, the hot chocolate, because uh, when I've had you know different versions of, of that hot chocolate, like mine, hot chocolate, some call it, and I, it remind, this pairing is really sending yeah. me back there um, to of that sense of drinking hot chocolate, and you have that that heat in there and mm-hmm. it's kind of hot and my palate is recognizing it but I'm not I'm drinking more like, <laughs> yeah. it's just that glow yeah, of a pleasant. winter afternoon yeah, and, yeah. you know so that's what I find of that and I really do like the way this double pairing shows how a beer will will appear differently um, depending on what you're pulling out of it so that's important to remember as you experiment that the beer may change so Try things out, explore, you know, say, I wonder what this would be like. And, you know, this, because the beer acted one way, you know, a few minutes ago, doesn't lock it into that. It can change the minute you have other flavors on your palate. So, you know, I always encourage a real open mind in that, you know, expertise and and being able to to know about these background flavors and doing this a lot certainly helps us make uh, efficient work of, of finding bridges. But... You don't have to be an expert. You don't have to have done this for a long time to to decide to drink something with something that you're eating. You know, go have fun, explore, and just uh, keep an open mind. And I think that pairing helps illustrate that. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And it's the same with chocolate. I always say, you know, there's no right or wrong with chocolate. You know, eat what you like. Try a lot of different things. You know, if you're in a pinch, you know, a Hershey bar is okay, but, you know, I would I would try to go for something a little better and a little darker, but, you know, there's no right or wrong. We all have different tastes, and what you like, I might not, and vice versa, so just experiment. That's the fun of it. So what did you think of this pairing? Did you like the raspberry better than the cinnamon, or the cinnamon better? <coughs> About the same? Cinnamon? Cinnamon? The the chocolate was kind of acting on the beer. You know, I had the beer, and then the chocolate kind of pulled off that coffee flavor. Right. But in the second one, it was kind of the the other way around. You know, I I, I had the chocolate, and it was really balanced. Like the cayenne and the cinnamon and the chocolate were all kind of really balanced, and none really stood out among the rest. And then while I had that flavor in my mouth and I drank the beer, boom, there's the cinnamon. Like I had a really strong flavor of cinnamon. And then a few seconds later is when I really felt the warmth of the cayenne. Um, and it's just kind of, kind of a layered effect um, mm-hmm. of one after the other. Nice. But I think it's cool that, you know, it really works great with the raspberries. You get the fruitiness and you can also, you know, appreciate the spicy qualities. So... I think it's a good demonstration of how it can work with a lot of different things. Mm-hmm. I just like having a, a scalp paired with something spicy. Mm-hmm. That's a new thing for me. Okay. And I really enjoy that. Great. I'm a big fan of scalp. Mm-hmm. And, um, thank you for introducing Oh, you're welcome. Our pleasure. And it may seem counterintuitive, but if you think about it, there's a roastiness and, uh, and there's a bitterness to that roastiness that is not overt. But it's there, and that is a contrast to heat that's going to that's gonna be playful, and it's going to stand up to it. And so you can take that other places outside of the chocolate world um, and use that roastiness as, a, uh, as an available bridge, which is fun. Yes, sir. If you were to serve these pairings in your home, would you do them as a dessert course or between courses? How, how would you how would you serve this in your home with a meal with friends? Well, we should probably both answer that because we may do it differently. Um, I met. Well, never mind. <laughs> um, you know, I, I it depends on what you're going after. If you're doing a chocolate tasting, if you're wanting to explore this, you know, six chocolates is is a pretty sizable dessert. 
Um, so if I were doing that, I may think of not having dinner first, and I may think of either some past appetizers or doing this even before dinner, um, because I'd want fresh palates and kind of fresh minds if, if the idea was to explore this like we just did today. If I were looking for a dessert, um, I might pick one or two of these, or maybe even three, and have like a trio of chocolates on a plate with with three, three or four ounce glasses as a pretty as a way to say, hey, you know, we can have fun with more flavor than one at dessert. And since these are kind of bite-sized, you, you have a bigger range than you would with a full-blown dessert portion. So it really depends on what your purpose is and what your crowd is and what you're, what you're trying to do. Yeah. My first thought was I'd do this first. You know, this would be my appetizer. <laughs> but then I probably wouldn't eat dinner. <laughs> so... But that works for me. Or, you know, have a really light early dinner. And then, you know, I'd wait a few hours because, like Fred said, you do want to have a a fresh palate and you want to come to it, you know, with an open palate, open mind. Um, It's fun to do flights, you know, do a flight of chocolate, you know, get different chocolates and get different, you know, beverages and pair them together and see what you like. And it's fun. A lot of times when I do this... I ate all my chocolate right away, but you know I'll I'll save some and then I'll go back and I'll pair it with different beers just to kind of see what kind of reactions you get, and that way you'll learn that okay, ooh, that one wasn't so good together, but you know you'll start understanding why that you know the other one works better. So again, if, just experiment. Have yeah, fun. if if it's an instructional purpose, if it's exploration. You can have less of a strict pairing. You don't have to have all of them set up. You can have some suggestions or things you think you're going to go. Uh, but you could have the, you know, the six chocolates and then have people mix and match and, and start talk, speaking up when they think they have one that they like and just kind of make it open season rather than putting the onus on you to, to have all the pairings. Say, we're going to do a chocolate tasting and pair them with beers together. And so then you can have a bunch of beers out and people can be really having fun and that's informative and instructional to your palate and but then again if you go back if you're entertaining people and you're wanting to provide them an experience then then you you know the idea is you give them less choice and more of your your choice is part of your gift to them i look at that look at cooking that way as you know part of the chef's role is to make the choices and just say here's here's how i'd like you to have this today and then that then it becomes a dessert and or you know or a course Mm-hmm. Whether whatever part of the evening it's in, then you're saying, enjoy these two together. So, both are fun. I just want to say that I've mixed up berries accidentally. Oh, really? Everything is still wonderful. <laughs> <laughs> good, good. <laughs> Great. Thank you. Well, like I said, maybe that's maybe that's help and encouragement towards our exclamation point. Um, <laughs> part of the discussion is that you know i find it ironic and and i'm i like wine and i'm a wine drinker but it's it's an interesting place in our culture right now where wine has really earned the sophisticated um reputation as it's the beverage for dinner and of course you would have wine and chocolate you know and and you would be then sophisticated um and i look at it and get confused sometimes as my you know eyes have opened to a lot of these experiences because i think how in the world could you have anything else with chocolate? Like, I just think our, our worlds are so married and these flavors make so much sense and there's such range mm-hmm. that I can't imagine uh, really going that direction. I um, think that paradigm might be breaking down a little bit, Fred. Yeah. <laughs> um, well, that's cool. I'm, I'm game. But, and, and my point isn't about countering that. It's just saying that we're really, I'm really interested and excited about the progress we're making and opening people's mind and saying, absolutely, beer and chocolate, of course, it makes sense. And so, you know, just removing the mystique, and, and it's really not about pulling any other beverage away, which it may have sounded like I was headed that way. It's really not about pulling that away. It's about opening the door for beer, saying we shouldn't, we shouldn't dismiss this idea. Beer is much more than those couple of styles that ran the 60s and 70s. We have this range of flavors, and that's fun. Yeah. I'd just like to make a quick comment. I'm a volunteer here today, so I feel like the luckiest girl in the world to be here. (laughs) Um, I have to say that chocolate and beer are two of my favorite things, and you have given us such a gift today, and I think that I'm going to leave now not only telling everybody about this experience, but exploring on my own, and I just 
I'm, I'm taken back to the movie Chocolat. Yeah. Um, and it's like, the, I feel the same way after watching that movie. <laughs> it's like, it's such a euphoric, glorious, you know, life appreciation mm-hmm. feeling. And thank you so much. Oh, thank you. That's great. You're welcome. Thank Thanks. you. All right, um, if there are any more questions. Oh, they are wrapping up over there, because we can't leave until they're done. <laughs> All right, one more question, or we want to wrap it up there. And uh, uh, those were good comments, Erica, there at the end. Thank you for that. Um, thanks, Fred. Thanks, Gail. That was a great presentation and a delicious presentation. Excellent. And uh, um, I hope everyone enjoys the rest of Saver tonight. Thanks Appreciate a lot. your attention. Thank you. You'll go away with... Uh, thanks, you guys. Thank you. Right, and we have material on the table if you, if you want to pick up our cards or information, yeah. help yourselves. Thank you for listening to Craft Beer Radio. If you have questions or comments, you can email us at beer at craftbeerradio.com. Craft Beer Radio is released under the Creative Commons license. Visit craftbeerradio.com for more information. The opening and closing music is Last Hurrah from the band The Lights Out. You can listen to more of their music at their website, thelightsout.com. Some